Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. Connor, did a little vessel in your brain just explode when when that said it's not working? Mm-hmm. A little bit. No, I, I feel pretty good this morning, actually. Not not that much hasn't worked yet today. Oh, nice. Well, hey, it's still early. You got the rest of yeah. the day. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, don't even, we can't even go down that road. It's weird how that, that stuff piles up. Like a, a certain amount of things not working is fine, especially if with a modicum of effort, you can get them working again. But when you have like three or four things not work and you can't get them to work and then they stop you from being able to do your work. I go. I literally to- just, just laughed yesterday. I didn't know what else to, to do. There was like, I, there was a lot of stuff that was just like, wow, how did that, how did that happen? How did and that then, go so badly? Yeah. And, uh, how are we here? <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I just laughed. Hmm. Which is hey, so I know we're weird. on a time crunch. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, because some days, like, we'll wake up and essentially do the exact same thing, and it'll yep. work. You're like, okay, just for some reason today, it's just not working. Yeah. All right. I guess we just take it in stride. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm dealing with our, with our printer. It's always been like this. It was printer over Wi-Fi at Newman. Um. Yeah, just some days it works and some days it doesn't. And I have a few fixes, you know, like, okay, I'll do, I'll uninstall it and install it in my computer. I'll download a driver. Or, or Did I'll, you turn it off and turn it back on? All that stuff. Reboot. And, uh, some days, like one of those things does it. And, oh, it's printing again. Yeah. You know, and it's always the day that you, like the thing you need to do today is print. And now it just stops you from doing all this stuff. Yeah. And you want to go nuts. But I also think we, we had this big power surge outage the other night, which I think affected the internet yesterday, honestly, because they were still working on a transformer nearby. And our cable is all, I don't know, some, sometimes it's fast, sometimes it's not. And, you know, the Internet's a series of tubes and there's tubes up there and they were up there touching the tubes. And so I had to do something (laughs) with it. um, (laughs) Anyways, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, me and my dad have been working on the Internet a little bit over at Newman trying to trying to optimize it. He's a he's an engineer, super smart at computers. Um, And I wanted to get the Internet to cover the whole coffee shop, including the patio that I've been working on. So I've been learning a lot. He's been teaching me about stuff and we, we set up this router um, in the in the actual shop uh, and made it a different network and yada, yada, yada. But you're up in the drop ceiling a lot, like pushing up tiles and looking for the cables and power and, and whatnot. Mm. And there's just, I mean, the building's 40 years old and there's, there's cables from every generation. Oh, um, man since landlines up in that ceiling and Mm. you know when when people wanted to put a new thing in like the internet got invented or uh or the internet got better they just put a new cable and left the old ones up there and 
I think about this, like looking up at the power lines and stuff, just since electricity got to the city of Chicago, how much the technology has changed and just the amount of infrastructure, amount of organization that it would take to get power to every building in this city. Um, it's an amazing feat, you know, and I could just see people in charge of that taking a few shortcuts here and there and being like, uh, we could put this kind of transformer instead of that. And, and then you have an explosion and the other night, like literally a square mile of our neighborhood went, had power outage for, I mean, it was not a long time, but a few hours. Um, it's crazy, dude. Like you just expect to turn it, flip open my laptop, plug in this microphone, send you guys a link through the interwebs and then to just be able to talk crystal clear from miles and miles away and to record it, be able to upload it so that whoever anywhere wants to listen to it can listen to it. And when it doesn't work, I'm really mad. (laughs) (laughs) That's the state of things. It's crazy. When you just take a little perspective. Yeah. Yeah. You should write the city of Chicago and let them know they uh, deprived us of an episode yesterday. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't just affect we three, but no, we know we three. <laughs> the only time I ever hear that combo of words is the we, we three. three kings. Kings. <laughs> <laughs> we three. <laughs> we three. I don't know why that's. All right, Rob, are you going to say something before I I think I kind of cut you off there at the beginning? Oh, no. Well, one, I guess I have two things now, but I was just, and maybe we've talked about this on the cast before, but gosh, that's been three or four years ago when Mets, you and I were out at Porter's cabin with him and Kata on that October trip. That was so fun. The shower of gold, I believe. But that's, that's a, that's an awesome place one. And you're, I mean. It's not a super primitive cabin, but I mean, there's not a lot of like, you know, luxurious amenities, which kind of makes it awesome out there. That's why it's such a cool place. But do you remember the evening? I Yeah, I found this very interesting in myself of some tree came down on a like a power line out there and we completely lost power. And so it was like, it was just different, even at this place that like we didn't have much to begin with, but I remember like we took all the, like the meat that we had bought out of the fridge and we kind of came up with a plan and we put it in the stream actually, because it would keep it colder for, for longer. Like once the fridge got, got warm and had a few different things going on. I just remember thinking, I was like, wow, it's so cool to kind of be unplugged here. But then somehow it humanly, it like got better without power for, a while. Do you remember that hanging out with like a couple oh, candles yeah. and just chilling? Oh yeah. And even the evenings, there was yeah, the the lack of any other options just kind of forces to be totally present right there in the cabin with one another. And right. with this candlelight and I think we tried to play cards maybe or something. Um but yeah, it was a ton of fun. We were afraid that bears were gonna smell our food and that's and right. attack us, <laughs> which one of our group was convinced that <laughs> it was saw a bear. <laughs> very, very convinced. <laughs> who, who was a butler? Is that right? 
Or was he trying to make him his butler? I, I don't Our think you've already you've already shared too much, really. Just, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I that's that's going in the mind of somebody. It's just you can only yeah, go so far, you know. Imagine nothing, if you, out of the woods there was road. there were mean bears, but then there were also bears that just came and really helped you. Like he, <laughs> he, he didn't have like a full tux on, but just the the collar and the shirt front. How do we know that? Yeah, <laughs> and how do we know that that isn't like, possible? Uh, <laughs> Well, the same thing happened the two years later when we went out to that cabin. So it must be pretty common, but we had a pretty big snowstorm and everybody got Gosh. their vehicles stuck. And and we were without power for over 24 hours, um, but it was freezing cold and there's no there's no heating uh, right, right, at right. all inside wow. this cabin. So <laughs> did you guys ever figure out how to work the fireplace too? So we, never we got, got the fireplace working. Okay. But then all the electronic yeah. heaters like that, you oh, normally just get to plug gosh. in and get the yeah. corners of the house and you start heating it from all these different angles. And, um, those weren't working either. But when we were out there, car, this is hilarious. When we were out there, um, the the first time myself rob and porter and and robbie it was it was so cold all the power goes out and (laughs) all we have to warm up the cabin is is the fireplace but the fireplace is like it it must be clogged with something it must have just been full of soot (laughs) (laughs) and so we're like caught in between being freezing cold or literally <laughs> filling the cabin with smoke because there was oh man it which we did leave. which we did we, yeah we we just... opted towards that so we <laughs> we opened up the windows of the cabin <laughs> to like try and get a draft to get the smoke out which of course it just didn't there was no winning so we ended up just being cold and having a smoke filled cabin <laughs> The worst of both worlds. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, See, Whoa. And that's so stupid. And we were like having a great time doing that. That's just oh man. I want to go back there soon. Porter, I know you're a listener. Let's do it. Gosh dang it. That's awesome. Um, I guess it could tie in. I don't really have anything more on that. I was just thinking thinking of it. Of that is interesting of a pretty primitive place anyway. And then yeah, I don't know why, but I remember that very vividly of when we were without power. That was like the most fun stretch of of that trip, for sure. Most human, um, which was cool. But I listened to a, a very good podcast. Uh, it was the Art of Manliness last week, driving somewhere. And I can't remember the guy's name, but he wrote the book, How to Think Like a Sci- uh, Rocket Scientist. And uh, he had a lot of cool stuff in there. But one that he was talking about, he told this story, and I did not realize this, but apparently what started Einstein with thinking, like trying to figure out the the theory of relativity was when he was like a teenager, he was looking up at the stars and he thought, he just had this thought of like, what would it be like to be able to ride on a beam of light? So like kind of a very, just like kid's imagination um, thought experiment and that's what started and it took him obviously like decades then to kind of formulate the theory of, of relativity but that's where it started and so this guy that um, Brett McKay had on the podcast he was he was advocating for like you should have time in your day where you're just bored 
like that's kind of proven psychologically to like help your subconscious make tons of different connections and just be able to to think um which is interesting that we'd even be talking about this while sending out a podcast to to the world um but most likely they're using this to to fill in time they should be doing something better including myself i do that Mm -hmm. all the all the time but I just I just found that to be very very interesting. I don't know if you guys have any big thoughts there, but I thought that was a cool one like story around it. Um and I just thought that was like a really really cool point. I'm going to try at least and see see what happens. Wasn't there another Einstein thought experiment he did where he was working in a patent office early on in London or something and I don't know if it was Big Ben or just some big clock that he could see from his window and he was bored and imagined what it would be like to look at that clock if you could as you were traveling away from it at the speed of light. Oh, what would the clock read? You know, and that was part of the theory of relativity is that as you as you speed up, time slows down. Um, for whatever reason, um, but that same thing, he's just like sitting there daydreaming and he thinks about that. Um, I do think as a kid, I remember I remember doing that a lot more, daydreaming. Mm-hmm. But now the, the phone is just always with oh. you. Well, um, I wonder if that's... Um, I used to hear the phrase a lot more often, but like you, you do your best thinking in the shower. Mm-hmm. And I would generally wonder if that's that's a product of it. No, he talked, and- he talked about that too and yep he talked and i i I mean i think he holds that to be very very um true yeah man that's hmm. i definitely find it's the case um you know being here living at the rectory myself and the pastor are living in two different places right now um same city just different homes for protection safety type stuff and well, yeah, I find myself, I just have a lot of evenings alone and um, with with downtime, like probably a ton of people have right now. And yeah, last night um, I had I had been in my room reading a lot and just decided to kind of just take a little walk around around the parish and around the neighborhood and just to kind of be outside and didn't have anything in particular, but just thinking and yeah, it was amazing. A lot of the stuff that I had read from the day, which Rob, I was telling you about some science of the cross, E.G. Stein type stuff. Mm. Like my brain was just playing with all of it and trying to work it out and trying to put it together. And, um, you know, there was some, there was some will involved, but, uh, it was like my intellect was, was, was just trying to, trying to arrange all of these different things that I'd compiled throughout the day. But I needed the space to do that, you know. Hmm. I needed to roam around uh, and do nothing, really. So it was nice, yeah. That definitely corresponds with my experience. It's also tough, though, too, because sometimes you will try to make that space in your day. Um, I mean, it depends on the time of day, you know. Like, the best time to pray, I think, is in the morning because your brain is still... You're just... It's like you're booting your computer up again and it doesn't have all this garbage running in the background anymore. Whereas if you pray like in the afternoon or 
evening sometimes late at night i found the same the same kind of ability to be present but when i'm in like uh this book i'm i'm reading for a, a book club the ember and the stars by erizim kohak he's this philosopher it's very much a, like what we're talking about going out into a little cabin in the woods with no power and finding it just be easier to be human for some reason, like easier to be present to the people you're with and fun, even though it's kind of like stupid work of trying to get a place warm without smoking it out. Like the things that would normally be annoying in the world of technology or techne, he says, um, are just sort of life-giving because they're, they're the work of, of being human. And there's not like this mediating thing of uh, stuff you don't really understand like the computer, like, like what's frustrating about a computer not working is that I have no idea how it even works in the first place. So when it stops working, I have n- no recourse, you know, whereas your chimney problem is like, it's almost kind of fun to try to figure it out. And you're together with other people. And, um, but he talks about like the three times of day are the, uh, dawn, then the noon. Well, I guess dawn and noon would be the same because it's 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 like the sunlight and then the dawn and dusk mm. when there's like this in between and then night and the three Greek words he uses are um, techne I think philosophia for the for the evening time where the light is mixing and then um, poesis for the night. And the daytime is like the time of work. It's the time of tools and and doing things um, to nature or with nature for our own survival. It's like that's when we we understand things, we see things clearly, we make divisions, distinctions. Um, and then in the evening time, when your hands are rough and weary, and you sit down for dinner, and the sun is setting you start to sort of like ponder the big meaning of things. Um, and you can still sort of see, but there's this darkness coming and uh, the day is ending. And there's this awe or wonder, which is the beginning of philosophy um, at the whole, the totality of it all, you know, not the particulars that you've been working on, the, the trees you've been cutting down or the house you've been building or whatever, where you're, you're just so focused on a task. You're so focused on a, a narrow field of the world now you start to like think of the whole and then at nighttime the stars come out and that's poesis that's sort of like the apophatic what i don't see anything like what is you know what is this all what am i doing here you know you look up at the heavens and you say what is mortal man that you keep him in mind Mm -hmm. that sort of feeling of like smallness in a huge universe um but when you're in a city where there's never any night, there's lights on all the time. And just the other night when the power all went out, me, uh, Father Jamie and Monica just went and sat in the backyard because the air conditioning was off and it was hot outside, but it was hotter inside, which normally it's not in the summertime. It's cool and nice and light and there's TV and lots of cool things to do till late at night. But when that all shuts off, you're just like, what do you do? Go outside and hang out and talk. Um, you know, there's a, a sort of forcing you to return to that, that way of life. Now, again, I know this is 
always my hobby horse. And I, I'm really looking forward to going fishing soon. At the end of this month, we're going to go out to to an undisclosed location, drive out and, and just camp for a week. But that's I I'll always love that as a recharge of my batteries to be to be able to think like that. Because even if you make space, my point is, even if you just sit and daydream, sometimes I daydream about techne and I'm just tr- constantly problem solving about really narrow stuff. Mm. And I would rather be pondering the bigger things or going into that nighttime mode of just like relating to God as his tiny creature. And he's this massive God. And that's the truth. Instead of me, like, if I just figure this out, if I just like found the login for that thing and hacked into this and I could get the internet going this way or I, you know, I need to organize that closet or whatever, like silly things that need to get done, but they just like follow you into your, into your times of, of actual like prayer. How do you get rid of that stuff? You, you kind of need to leave, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Or have the, have the power go out. I used to love power outages when I was a kid, especially because it was usually like a rainstorm. And then the whole family would be together with candles and we'd play a game or something. Mm-hmm. I'm like, mm-hmm. man, I wish our family was like this all the time. <laughs> Instead of all in our separate locations. Yeah. Hmm. No, it's interesting. I mean, I thought like even in that, um, yeah. I, I thought back on when this was like 2011, I think, and my family for our vacation, we whitewater rafted the Grand Canyon, which was really cool. Uh-huh. And, uh, but so you're down there and there's, you know, I don't know if today would be any different, but obviously like no cell service or anything like that. And, um, we always got up pretty early and had breakfast and, um, and then kind of got on the river for the next portion of the trip. And, the guides were very cool. And one of, I don't know who asked them, but one of the, one of the group asked them one night, they're like, Oh, do we need to worry about setting an alarm or anything? Cause that's a pretty early start. And they were like, no, like you pretty much after day one out, out here, like you just kind of like your body just falls asleep. Like when it gets dark and you'll wake up with the sunrise. Um, and yeah, that was just a hundred percent true. It was very cool. Um, of how natural it was and easy it was of like, it got pitch dark and you're like, wow, I'm just ready to peacefully go to sleep. And then you woke up when the sun came up, um, in the morning, (laughs) but yeah, Yeah, it's very, it's very interesting. Um, yeah, it's very interesting. I don't know. The same thing, uh, even when you were talking that notion of, yeah, I mean, just something, away and i don't know i don't know if this is because we're so like technology or i'm so technology driven um i don't know but a very wise older priest um i was meeting with this was gosh in my first year of priesthood i think and who's very he's usually just like the most gentle like he kind of like a never give advice type guy just um yeah just a total like soul doctor um but he he was adamant i mean like adamant um very strong on this of like he was like no you need to take a day off every week and you need to like you need to get out of town you need to leave for the day 
And he's like, you need to do that every week. And I was just struck by it because like he's never, I know it doesn't sound like, you know, harsh or anything like that. Cause it wasn't, but he, he's never been like that firm in anything that he's, he said, he's like, Nope, you have to, you have to get away. Like just go somewhere for a day every week. Um, and it's interesting now because it, it's still hard to like unplug, but, uh, I don't know. There is something like always, I, I try to go see my folks, you know, quite a bit or, um, but when you do, and it's not, you know, even if it's just for a half day or, or whatever, it's like, wow, there's like, um, the world is bigger than like just my immediate, um, surroundings and, and exactly like problem solving this or getting this task done. There's like something grander. And I, I know that's, I don't know, kind of, kind of vague but and it's nothing that you know everybody knows that but the experience of it is still like hey how did i forget this i don't know like weekly i forget that yeah Yeah. that's so true all right there's there's something hilarious about it even with your rafting um your rafting story with the family like just how how easy that sounds and how pleasant and how good that sounds of like living your life in accord with creation so that um, your actual patterns of, of life match the patterns of creation around you. So when the sun comes up, you, you wake up when the sun goes down, you go down like that. Just it's easy and it makes sense. Uh, Or Connor, you're talking about um, when your family would have those power outages you know, and, and you'd have these candlelight board games and you have this thought like, man, why aren't we like this all the time? <laughs> like, why don't we do this all the time? <laughs> why? Yeah. I see how easy this is and how good this is. <laughs> but, you know, I'm going to stay up and just watch another two hours of this show. So I'm miserable <laughs> tomorrow. It's going to be I- sweet, dude. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't make any sense. And the other way is actually easier. But, man, like you said, Rob, it's just... We we really forget about it so easily, um, yeah. And the the preoccupation with work during times of what should be leisure, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to stop that. Um, and, and I think that was kind of would you say that that was like the big thing that you were talking about, Connor? How how do you how do you keep the space when you're you know, not doing anything uh, utilitarian, like practically you're not fixing something. You're not trying to um, do your you know normal techne work. How do you keep that time of philosophy open and not preoccupied with your techne type stuff? Yeah. That's, yeah. The, that's the big question in leisure. Uh, Peeper's book is like, you know, you can have a, you can have a restless culture, a leisureless culture, because you just are so <clears throat> poor that you need to constantly work to not die, or because you have a totalitarian government that doesn't allow for culture and it just says, you know, your work is your life, like uh, Marxism, um, or because you are so uncreative or like, um, inundated with 
with techne stuff that even though you have all these times, and this, this is the irony of all this technology and stuff is what you see or what we're observing is like, there's a certain level of, of comfort, luxury, freedom that makes you less free, that makes you less comfortable. Um, that just unplugging a little bit, uh, even temporarily reminds you of like, Oh yeah, these, these are meant to be tools for me to flourish, you know, like with all the time saving devices we have, everybody, everyone says there's no time, <clears throat> you know, Oh, I wish there were more hours in the day, but when you had to do everything the hard way, there was just a rhythm of life in, for the most part, you know, in different cultures where like you got up with the sun, you went down with the moon, you know, and you worked hard, but there was also plenty of time to pray and go to church on Sunday and be with your family. And, and a lot of times the work was collaborative. It wasn't like sitting in front of a screen, doing work by yourself and feeling disconnected. It was how you connected to the land and to your family and to God. And, um, so yeah, um, I'm not, I'm not against technology. I love it. We wouldn't be talking right now, uh, if it weren't for technology, but I do find like, I just have these ticks, you know, like when I sit down and I, I have a bunch of work to do, which wouldn't take me, but a few hours, except I have to constantly check Twitter, you know, why do I do that? And it always just upsets me. But <laughs> why I cannot do it, you know, unless I'm being super intentional and doing and doing like something else. Like every time I have the urge to check Twitter, I'm going to say Hail Mary, you know, to just try to like, man, jog me out of this, this habit. You know what I mean? Of Dude. inattention. I was talking to some some young some youngins some youngsters the other day and they were talking about just how difficult some it youths? is to, some youths some of those hip young people um yeah they're pretty cool i got i got young friends so i'm pretty cool too so uh, <laughs> and they were talking about hey, and i'm picturing tough. you up in front of them with a fanny pack on just rocking it <laughs> Yeah, and I'm kind of in the Captain Morgan pose where I got my foot up on something and yep, you yep. get a little lean in there, just right. lean into it. Skateboard um, in one hand, vape in the other. Yeah, with like <laughs> a, uh, a Walkman with a cord that wraps around and it has like one of those really old headsets just wrapped around my neck. Mm -hmm. So there's the image um, with braces. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, so get you tell. to identify with the youth? Oh, dude! Hey, smell like the sheep, you know. Be all <laughs> things, be all things, be all things to all people. Okay. <laughs> um. Wow. All right. What was it okay? So we were talking about social media, and they were talking about how difficult it is, especially in these times, to be on social media, and just trying to figure out how to navigate those waters. And a lot of them were kind of dipping their toes in the water of a lot of them yeah, yeah yeah we're dipping their toes in the water of like should i just get off of this entirely and hmm. um you know i i've done it for stints and um you know i i really didn't feel like i was missing out on anything you know which is everybody's experience I, i'm gonna miss out on everything and then you're not on it and then you realize i'm not missing out on anything um but i realized that the way that everybody, the way that they were talking about it, and even the way that I was talking about it, um, 
you know, I, I said I got off social media um, or got off Facebook when I was a junior in college, you know, so I've been off of Facebook for 12 years or something like that. And, and even all of that language, it sounds like, <laughs> it sounds like an AA meeting or something yeah. like that. Like it legitimately sounds like we're all addicts. I've been, I've been Facebook free. I've been Twitter free for two weeks now, you know, people start clapping. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. And it, like, it wasn't even, it wasn't intentional. It was just the way that we were talking about it, all the language that we were using. Um, you know, I don't, I don't like myself when I'm on it. <laughs> I become <laughs> I hurt, another person. I hurt so many people. <laughs> yeah. And I, I want to stay off of it and I know it's not good for me. And, you know, I remember I gave it up for a couple of weeks and it was the best two weeks of my life. And you're like, man, I, I don't think that's an accident. I, I don't think that's uh, a coincidence either. Um, I heard somebody say once that, um, you know, how we look back at like commercials from the 50s of doctors saying like, I recommend these cigarettes. They're the healthiest kind. Um, and we sort of chuckle. And now at like in 50 years, maybe we'll look back at and say like, wow, there were psychiatrists that had Twitter accounts. That's so funny you know, because it's so bad for your mental health. Why would you willingly do that? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and I, longer. you know, a lot of the movies that, that we love that have, have really, um, that have been beautiful and have moved me, I think kind of hit on this. Um, you know, even just thinking about the candlelight dinner, hanging out with the family, playing board games by candlelight, like, that's all in a quiet place that that's mm -hmm. the way that that family lives, you know, and then, um, living in communion with the creation around you, that's a hidden life right, right there. I mean, it, and so much of that movie, it interweaves the two together and there, there's, there's such a beauty and an attraction. Did I tell you all the story after my family watched that movie? No. no, I don't think so. Okay, so we watched it. I was amazed. I may have told this on the podcast, but um, almost everybody, some some of the younger siblings weren't around, but um, everybody who was at home watched A Hidden Life like really late into the night. And uh, even little Chris. <laughs> I didn't tell you guys this. No, I don't recall. Wow. Okay, so Chris is 11. Dude, it was such a cool experience. <laughs> and... He's sitting there and he has no idea what's going on in the movie. And I felt so bad for him. So I, you know, I had him come and sit next to me and um, I'm like whispering into his, his ear some of the stuff that's, that's happening because half the movie is not in English. You know, it's in, it's in German or whatever. Um, and this 11 year old's trying to pick up on the story of a guy who is a conscientious objector trying not to swear an oath to, to Hitler because he thinks it's morally reprehensible. And he's going to lose his whole family. And so, like, Chris is trying to understand all of this. <laughs> and uh, I remember at one point, dude, it was amazing. As complicated as the movie is, do y'all remember the scene when he comes into trial and the guy yells at him, but then um, the head of the court takes him into the back room and has this little subtle conversation with him oh, yeah. um, and seems to be like a morally neutral type figure but then ends up condemning him. 
Well, I'm sitting there with Chris and after they come out of that conversation and they go and they read his, um, they read the verdict that he's going to be condemned to die. Chris just turns to me and he goes, that guy is like Pontius Pilate. Hmm. I was like, hmm. what dude? <laughs> what? That's awesome. How, how is that possible that you know that? Which means that Franz Jägerstadter is also like Christ and mm-hmm. yes, Chris, you're exactly right. You probably know what's going on in this movie better than me, you know. And which that was 100% amazing. It's just this this beautiful experience of it that that movie is made in such a way that it's so complex and rich and deep and beautiful, and yet it's also so true and simple that this 11 year old could pick it up without even really knowing what the heck is going on, you know? So, Mm. so I'll finish this story, but we, we watch it as a family. It's, it's a really great experience. Very beautiful. And the next morning we like kind of like sit around and talk about it before we go to bed. And it was pretty late. And so I said, Oh, we'll talk about it in the morning over coffee or something like that. And so we all go to bed and a pleasant night. Everybody wakes up pretty early and I wake up, I'm like maybe the third one up. And I come up into the kitchen and I see this note on the kitchen counter and it says, Hey, we're outside. Um, come out and join us, bring some coffee out and come out and join us. And I come out and my mom has just started this little, she's just burning stuff in the backyard. She started this little bonfire. We have a little fire pit and I come out and she's just sitting out there with my dad and they're just drinking coffee around a bonfire in our backyard and the sun's rising and so I grab a coffee and I go out there and I start chatting with them. And then little by little, more of our siblings start coming out. And, you know, by, by the end of the morning, um, mom has a skillet. She has a skillet over the fire and she's cooking sausages outside. And we're just talking about the movie with the whole family around this fire. And there was, it, it, it was never even discussed. It was never planned. It was never talked about. There was something about that experience of watching the movie that was that was beautiful that that we wanted to share in as well and that was like the closest thing we could get to it and it brought us into communion with one another and so this this experience of something beautiful just naturally led into authentic living of our humanity where we were just sitting around this bonfire early in the morning watching the sunrise cooking sausages with this fancy, you know, modern kitchen, state-of-the-art kitchen up there. Huh. And we were choosing to be out there and, and just enjoying the beautiful, beautiful day and enjoying one another. Um, but it had gotten, like, we didn't plan that out. It just happened. Yeah. It was an organic manifestation of an experience of what I would say authentic beauty that, that opened us up and revealed just... Oh man. Did we lose him? I think we lost him. Relax. So so sorry, I don't know if, if y'all got the whole story there, but you get the gist of it. Yeah, no, it's cool. You know, it reminded me of a couple of things. Um one well, it's just awesome that you wanted to be the beautiful thing that you saw, you know. Mm. That's <clears throat> to me, like when Joe Pug was talking about art moving the heart rather than the mind you know it's not like you said oh that we want to live like them so let's move to austria and get a wheat farm you know it was 
you just like your hearts were moved by the beauty of their life together and just sort of spontaneously changed your morning, you know? Um, so there's that, there's that personal response to value. You know, you see something good and you just want to, you want to be part of it, you know, um, in whatever way your circumstances allow. But then there's also the, the imagination, imagination part of it, which kind of goes back to the Einstein sitting there thinking about what it would be like to ride a beam of light. You know, that's a very childlike thing to think, you know, um, and even watching that movie through your, your little brother's eyes and he's able to make the connection. Oh, he's pilot. And therefore Jagerstetter is, is Christ. And like this whole story is, you could easily get lost as a history buff in the, in the details. You could be like, oh, the, this you know, judge would not have actually said this, this would have been, you know, the historically and Hitler, blah, blah, blah. And you get caught in the weeds of, of the techno, techne of, of history, um, of being a super smart guy at history, rather than seeing like the whole story as a story and all stories as part of this big story of, of Jesus. Um, reminds me of that short, that short story that Father Siwak had us read for homiletics. Um, do you guys read this? It was like a French short story about a kid whose friend at school wants to figure out if it's actually baby Jesus that comes and puts the candy in their shoes on Christmas Eve. Did you guys read that? No, I don't remember it. It's a beautiful little story. Uh, if I find it, I'll put it in the notes. But um, they resolve, they, they're at this like Catholic boarding school and they before they go home for some or winter break, they say, let's both stay up on Christmas Eve and see if it's really Jesus that gives us the candy. And the main narrator of the story, he's like eight years old or something like that, tells this sort of poetic uh, version of what happens on Christmas Eve night as they eat dinner together, and then he has to go to bed because he's not old enough to go to midnight mass, and his older sister and his mom and dad get dressed up, and they leave, leave him there um, in his bed, and... He imagines them going off to church and then he imagines the incense and he hears the bells calling them to, to mass and the bells that go off during the consecration. And he's, you know, he's been at mass before and he's just imagining what it's like right now. And, um, his parents going up to the communion rail, receiving communion, then coming back. And, and then it sort of like that whole big story comes back to what's actually happening in his room, which is his mother comes in and put some candy in his shoes and then goes to bed and he realizes like in the in the story of everything it is jesus that put that candy in his shoes you know um and then he goes back to school in the new year and his friend is like can you believe they lied to us you know because he stayed up too and saw that it was his parents and he sort of like realized what it meant you know um, that wasn't like baby Jesus actually cr crawled into his room and left a Snickers bar or whatever, <laughs> that it was symbolic, metaphorical, but still real. You know, the mystical was real and he had the, he had the imagination to see it. Um, and Sywick always said, and I quote this a lot, people don't lose their faith because of a lack of evidence, but a lack of imagination. You know, 
kind of like that Soviet cosmonaut who went up into orbit and said, I'm up in heaven and there's no God. Like, you don't know what we mean by God or heaven for that matter. You know, uh, you think we're literally talking about a man in the sky. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, that, that space for imagination, for, for philosophy and for poesis, if you don't have it, we start to think of, we start to think really stupidly about things and we can't see what's right in front of us. Um, and that's where there was a, uh, one of the songs I wrote, I talked about, um, when you're standing perfectly still, you'll see, you'll hear all the reasons. It was, a a, um, time when I was in California a couple of years ago with the guys fishing and I went <clears throat> down to the river cause I just, I just felt like fishing and kind of being by myself and they were all doing something at the fire, but it had just rained and all this mud was in the river and I, the fish couldn't see the fly. So I just sat there in the middle of the river <clears throat> and went from techne of trying to catch fish with this rod, which can be very hard and annoying. And especially when the circumstances aren't right, you're so focused on this task and you can't do it. And so I was frustrated, gave up, but then I just sat on a rock in the middle of the river and the sun was setting and it's just like, wow. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I forgot that I was even in this wonderful place, you know, this river, this mountain, this world, this universe and just start like relate to the totality of it all. Um, you know, like this is, this is beautiful and it's part of a story and there's a personal cause of it all who knows me. Um, but those moments, those are epiphanies like revelations. God discloses himself to us, but we have to be <clears throat> at least disposed, you know, at least have enough quiet time, a power outage or a, or whatever to kind of get shaken back into what's real, you know, that's cool. I love, I, man, talking about your mom cooking those sausages over a fire <laughs> in your modern house with all sorts of nice technology and you just choose <laughs> spontaneously to do that. I love that. She's I love so, that. Yeah. They're amazing, man. They're amazing. They really are. Um, well, you got to go, right, dude? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do got to go. Um, yeah, that's I, because I, I honestly, I'd love to keep talking about this. I know that we're not because we never actually do that, but especially for families, like we have, we have the freedom and and the space to kind of go off and and to allow our minds, um, you know, correctly to to kind of work through some of the leisure thinking of the the bigger questions in life but you know i wonder what that looks like for for families with children and especially young families when things get hectic around the house and you, know, you can't just like hey see a family right <laughs> i'm gonna go you know I, I, obviously i don't have any children but maybe that's not the same maybe taking care of your children is not like techne work but i don't know maybe that would be tough yeah, I'd, I'd like to keep talking about that. But again, I know we won't. Yeah, <laughs> we'll talk about whatever comes up. Mm hmm. Three dogs north. <laughs>
are Juice, Seabisc, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. Good girl.